Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. So let's go to Daniel chapter 1. You ready? Let's jump into our series, 21 Days with Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, while you're going there, did you hear the announcement? This Wednesday night's our last Wednesday night in these open windows prayer session. We're doing from 6.30 to 7.30. I'm going to tell you, people are telling me, Pastor, this is the most powerful prayer meetings I have ever been in. It is just amazing to see what God is doing. So don't miss this last one. And then a week from tonight, man, it's been a year since we've been able to do this. We're going to come back on Sunday night, next Sunday, the 31st, and Adam Rainey is going to be here leading worship with our Calvary worship team. Guys, what a way to end a fast. Next Sunday's day 21. It's going to be a breakthrough. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I don't know what to, I, I'm excited about. It. I wish it was tonight, but I got to wait one more week. So let's go to Daniel. Daniel, first chapter. We've been walking through this study, walking through the book of Daniel. 21 days with Daniel. Why have I chosen the book of Daniel to revisit? What's the direction the Holy Spirit has for us? There's a couple of things that that I want to make sure that you have this point of reference as we do this study today, as I share my message. The book of Daniel, I believe very strongly, uh, as we look at Daniel's life in Babylon, as an exile in Babylon, that account, Daniel's life, closely parallels your life and my life living in our American culture that we're in right now. Now, here's what I want you to see that, that, is, that, that is opposite of what you would think. Daniel was taken as an exile into a foreign country under duress. He was basically a slave of the Babylonian king. There, it was a foreign country, a foreign language, a foreign culture, foreign gods. It was not an easy place. And the, the, the status quo, the, the standard operation in that kind of moment is just be quiet. Keep your head down, don't make any noise, and just hope you survive. And I'm really concerned that there's, that, that mentality may be trying to creep its way into the church. That with all the COVID-19 and all the unrest we're having and everything that's going on, that there's this tendency for God's people to just put our heads down, just stay out of the way, just be quiet, go live in a bunker somewhere. And I hope we can get to the end of this. I want you to hear me. That's not God's will for his church right now. That is not the plan of God for his church. If you look at Daniel's life, it's significant that this young man, against all odds, was, was not only strong in his faith. We read he resolved to be faithful to God. But in the midst of this Babylonian exile he was in, God richly blessed him. I want you to hear me. God is still blessing his people right now. God is still blessing his church. He was blessed in Babylon. Daniel had favor. We read again and again. The favor of God was with him in Babylon. And then we understand that Daniel uniquely, maybe more than any other person in human history, had influence over four succeeding kingdoms. Daniel's influence... In that culture, Daniel's influence in the succeeding kingdoms was unprecedented. No one survived four regime changes in that day and time. But Daniel did. Why? God's hand was on him to such a degree. His faithfulness to God so blessed him 
that he had influence. And I want you guys to get that today. I believe God wants to bless you, favor you, and use you to influence for his glory right now. I believe God wants to do something in you and through you that will cause people to recognize God is alive and well. So I want to encourage you with that today. So let's look at this. Pastor, we see Daniel, but why do you say that Daniel's journey parallels where we are today? Well, Babylon, as, I, as I've taught you again, I want you to get this perspective. We're going to dive into some new, some new territory today. Babylon first came on our radar in Scripture in Genesis 10 and 11, very early. It was there at this very location where the Tower of Babel began to be erected. And it, from that day until now, this is what it's represented. Number one, the pride of man. The pride of man. This sense of, I don't need God. I, I can do this myself. I, I'm all that I need. And, and following along this pride of man always leads to this next thing, rebellion against God. Pride of man will always lead to rebellion against God. Ultimately, that begins to develop false religions. People are saying, I don't need you, God. I don't need you in my life. I can do this myself. And we begin to put these cookie-cutter, modern, strange ideas about how to worship God and what's good and what's not. It's that pattern started right there. And Daniel was able to thrive in the midst of that without compromising. So here's what I want you to see. What do we see in chapter 1? We're about to read in chapter 1. What happened to Daniel? He's thrown into this culture. He's thrown into this conflict. And what do we read about him? What's his response? Was it compromise? No. Daniel resolved to serve his God. And he began to pray and fast. We're praying and fasting. Following some, some principles here, two, I mean, oh, well, uh, almost 3,000 years later, 2,500 years later. Here we are, challenged today by the way this young man responded to God. So what do you and I do when we face a challenge? If we respond correctly, we're going to see this, then we give God an opportunity to show up really big in that moment. So what happens when Daniel responded to God. Let's look at Daniel 1 verse 15. We've read these before, but I want you to see this. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm not going to eat from the king's table. I'm just going to have vegetables. I'm, I'm not going to have these rich things. I want you to give me a moment. So at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. God blessed their health. I believe during this Daniel fast, God is blessing your health. I want you to expect your health to be better. How many will say amen to that? We have biblical precedent. I couldn't hear you. Maybe I was talking. Uh, yeah, you should expect God to bless your health during this time. So let's keep reading. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. What happened? Right? You see what they did. Now, what did God do? To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So what did God do? He said, I'm going to bless you in your work. I'm going to bless you in your assignment. I'm going to open spiritual gifts in your life. God began to respond. Verse 18. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, the king. The king talked with them. Look at this. He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom 
and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Do you see what happened when they responded to God with resolve, prayer, and fasting? God then had the opportunity to respond to them. An incredible blessing, favor, and influence came on their life. Now, if we ended in Daniel chapter 1, and that's what a lot of us want to do. Wow, thank you, God, for blessing me. That was awesome. You brought me through. That was good. But how many of you know there's more than one chapter in life? (laughs) We know there's more than one challenge in life. Can I encourage you, church family, let's stop being afraid of our challenges. Let's stop running and hiding from our challenges. Let's stop saying, I'm going to wait until COVID's over before I've served God. I'm telling you, there will be challenges, but God's greater than the challenge. I'm telling you that our challenges, we, I've talked to somebody this week. You know, if we wrote the story of our life, my life wouldn't have any chapters with hardship. What about you? If I wrote my story, it would all be good chapters. If I wrote my story, there wouldn't be any challenges. If I wrote my story, there wouldn't be any Babylon. How many are going to be honest and say, me too? Oh, some of you like the, those hard times. How many of you wrote your story, be all good chapters? Yeah, blessing, goodness, good. But you know, we walk through some. The good news is God's with us. The real proof of my faith is not that I never have a challenge. It's how do I respond to that challenge. That's the proof of faith. So Daniel's blessed. Things are going well. But there's a chapter 2 in this book. And so let's look at this. Chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. Do you see the atmosphere Daniel had to serve God in? These are demonic uh, soothsayers. They're men and women tapping into demonic power. They're ungodly. It's a foreign system. And yet this young man is holding his faith. God is showing up big in his midst. Can I tell you, you can live for God on your job. Somebody tell me amen today. You can serve God in your school. You can live for God against all the odds. If you're the only believer in your family, God is with you in those moments. So the king says, I had a dream. And he turns to these advisors, verse 2, and the king summoned them to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, verse 3, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me. And I want to know what it means. Now look at this. (laughs) Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic. O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and then we'll interpret it. Well, watch this. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces (laughs) and your houses turned into piles of rubble. Wow. The king said, we're going to do it different this time. I don't know if he was tired of those astrologers and magicians and enchanters and all the noise and circus going on with them, but he said, you know what? I'm not going to tell you my dream. You tell me the dream, and then you interpret the dream. And by the way, if you can't do it, I'm going to cut you in pieces and tear your house down. Wow. Well, you need to understand, Daniel was none of those people, but he'd become an advisor to the king. So he was facing the same challenge. So here's Daniel blessed in chapter 1, favored in chapter 1. Going forward, another crisis comes on the scene. What is Daniel going to do? How do we respond to the challenge? 
I want you to drop down and look with me. Let, let's, let's begin reading here in verse number uh, 16. Let's look at this. Verse number 16. All right. So what happens? At this, chapter 2, verse 16, at this Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. What does Daniel do? Verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their names were changed in Babylon to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he told them about what had happened. Verse 18. He urged them to do what? To plead for mercy from the God of heaven. He said, brothers, we need to pray. We're going to have to go to prayer. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Look at verse 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. I want us to see something here. There was a repeating pattern in Daniel's life. Daniel had another challenge. The challenges came, would come and go. The, they would be different. I want you to hear me. But Daniel's response was the same. What did Daniel do when he faced a challenge? I'm going to go to God in prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to seek the face of God. Daniel had proven God in his life. Daniel had a proven pattern in his life. I want you guys to get this today. There are going to be moments in your life where you're going to face some challenges that are really big. And in that moment, listen to me, it's going to be too late to prove something. In that challenge, you're going to have to know how God works in your life. You're going to have to prove already that God answers prayer. When you face a challenge, it's too late to find something that works. You better know. How many hear what I'm saying? See, if you've never prayed, if prayer's your last resort and not your first resort, if prayer's not your lifestyle, when you face a crisis, it's going to throw you over. It's going to bowl you over. Jesus said it in, in, in John 16, 31, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart. Let your heart be at peace. I have overcome the world. There are going to be moments where you better know that already. How many are with me tonight? today? You need to know. What have you proven? Let me ask you that today. What have you proven in your walk with God? Have you proven that he answers prayer because you pray? Have you proven that his word works because you read the word, believe the word, trust the word, act according to his word? See, Daniel got the answer. It says it was in the middle of the night. There may be moments, church family, I want to help you. I'm not just going to give you the, you know, the icing. Let's get to the meat. There may be some moments when you're facing a challenge so great that it's going to take more than a Sunday morning prayer. It's going to take something more than somebody else praying for you. You're going to have to find God, know God, pray, know his voice, know his word, have a prayer life that's solid. You may have to stay up a little later. Is anybody with me? You may have to pray through the night. There may be a moment where you can't just do a microwave prayer where you're going to say, God, I'm locked into this thing and I'm praying until. The old timers used to have a, a, a phrase they used in church. They said that we're going to pray through. So how long do I need to pray? You pray through. Through what? Through to the other side of the crisis. You pray through. You pray till you get there. See, we have to have some proven things. Challenges will show you what's real in your life. Challenges will determine what you really believe and who you really are. Daniel had proven some things. He said, I know what my God can do. I've seen the power of God. You remember David standing before uh, King Saul when he said, I volunteer to fight Goliath? Remember that? They brought David in. 
And uh, the king looked at him and he said, you're just a kid. This is a grown man, nine feet tall. He's been a warrior all of his life. What makes you think you can fight this giant? What did David say? Well, I've been a shepherd and I've proven my God. When the lion came, God gave me the strength. When the bear came, God gave me the strength. I've proven my God. I have a confidence in my God. God has a track record in my life. I heard T.D. Jake say one time, he said, God's credit's really good around our house. What does that mean? He said, I'll take him on his word. I don't have to have it. I'll believe him. I'll take it at his word. And Saul said, well, okay, David. If you're going to fight the king, you've got to put my armor on and go fight him. You're unprotected. So here's this shepherd boy. And we had read about Saul. He was head taller than everyone else. So he puts on Saul's armor. Can you see him clanking around? This kid clanking around in Saul's armor. He walked around for a minute. He said, king, I appreciate it, but I can't use your armor. I can't be you. I can't fight this giant in your armor. I can't fight him on my testimony. How many hear what I'm saying? I can't fight him off of what you've done. I can't fight him off of what my mother did. He said, I'm going to have to use what I know. I'm going to have to do what's been proven in my life. And so the king says, well, what are you going to use? He said, well, I got this slingshot. Can you imagine the shot? Can you imagine the army men that turned their head and laughed? Can you imagine? They said, you're going to use a slingshot? against a giant and David said yes and they said why he said because I've proven this because I have confidence in this I know that God is with me God is for me and you know the, the rest of the account David runs into battle the giants laughing at him rebuking him insulting him and David just proving what he already knows He lets that stone go and the giant falls. I'm trying to get you to see a pattern here. I cannot, will not promise you that this culture will never challenge you. But I want to encourage you. You can prove some things in your life that when it comes out of nowhere, you know what to do. This is what God does. This is how he answers my prayer. I'm going to stay and pray and fast. There are times you need to hear from God. For yourself. Listen, I've got a quote for you. Prayer and fasting, I want to read this to you. Remember I've told you prayer connects me to God. Fasting disconnects me from this world that's going on around me. We pray and fast for a season. We get ourselves in a place where we can hear what God is saying. Daniel's life was at stake. And he waited and he prayed and, and, and God waited to the middle of the night till it was quiet and everybody else was asleep. And he said, Daniel, I've got something for you. Listen to this quote. God is adamant about being just a little bit quieter, get this, than the softest competing voice in my life. Did you hear that? He will not shout over all the noise in your life. I want you to get that. I want to help you with something. God's quieter than all the noise going on around us. He doesn't walk in in the middle and start shouting. Listen to me. He wants our attention and our devotion Devotion is not because God is a rigid schoolmaster who just likes to see you obey the rules. Listen, devotion is because there's some things he wants to divulge to us that he will not divulge to us until he finds a heart of commitment. There's some things God wants to say to you. You might need to be quiet enough to hear what he's saying. There's a word that's going to encourage you when nothing else will. If you're willing to stay in the middle of the night, God's going to talk to you. See, here's what I want you to understand. God never asked us for 100% perfection, but he's always asked us for 100% pursuit. 
God, I may not be perfect, but I'm coming after you. Are you with me? I may not get it right every time, but I'm coming hard after you, God. It's not my performance. It's not my perfection that's going to get me there. It's my direction that's going to get me there. If I fall, I'm going to get up. If I fall, I'm going to fall forward. God, I'm coming after you. Anybody following me in this thing with Daniel? I want you to see how Daniel responded. This is what I love. Let's go down to verse 26. And I want you to see something there. There's something going on here. So, so watch this. His life's at stake. He's doing the proven thing. He said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. Verse 26. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar. Watch this exchange. He says, Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Now we think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I got you, king. <laughs> Daniel replied, no, I don't know it. <laughs> are you able to tell me? No, I'm not. I don't, don't have the answer. He says, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. Oh, I love this next phrase. But there is a God in heaven. He said, God, uh, king, I don't have the answer, but there's a God in heaven. What, what's our direction, our perspective I gave you to begin 2021? What are we saying? We're going to walk in what we know. Why we're in the midst of what we don't know. Because we're moving to what God already knows. What did David, I mean, excuse me, I'm thinking of David here. What did Daniel do here? Daniel says, you know what, king? I really don't have an answer. I don't know what you dreamed. I wasn't there when you dreamed it. I'm just a man. But he said, I want you to know there is a God in heaven. I want you to know that what I can't do, my God can do. That what I'm short on, he's full of. That what I don't understand, he already knows about. And so, King, my answer to you is that I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to what's proven. I'm going to seek my God. There is a God. Can I tell you something today, some good news? There is a COVID-19, but there's also a God in heaven who knows who you are and where you are. There may be businesses shutting down, and you may be concerned about your employment, but I'm going to tell you, there is a God in heaven. I may not know everything going on around me. I may not have all the answers. I don't know when the vaccine's going to be delivered. I don't know when your check's going to come, but I can tell you this, there is a God in heaven, and we're going to walk in what we know while we're traveling through what we don't know because we're moving to what God already knows about our life. We're moving in that direction. Let, let's drop down to verse number 45 here. So what happens? What happens? In the middle of the night, Daniel got the revelation. The king had had a dream that troubled him. In his dream, he saw this huge statue. The head and shoulders were gold. The breast was silver. And then the loins were brass and then the legs were iron and then the feet were a mixture of iron and clay it was literally a dream about succeeding kingdoms that would come and at the end of a dream this huge uh, uh, impressive statue a rock fell and he says it was not cut out of the mountain by human hand and crushed the statue it was a prophecy about the kingdoms that would follow on the earth in fact you have to put Daniel and the book of Revelation together to interpret what are going to happen in the end time. He literally saw some things that have not yet happened on this earth. And so Daniel gives the king the vision and the interpretation. I want you to see I'm, I'm beginning in the middle of verse number 45. This is the answer. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. I want you to see this pattern. When you and I respond correctly to God in the challenge or crisis, 
we give God an opportunity to show up big in our life. All right? Next verse, 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before David, Daniel, and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. Watch this. This is what we're after today. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Church, I believe with all my heart that our God is now ready, willing, and able to release an end times revival on this nation. I believe the will and the plan and the heart of God is an awakening to grip this nation. It may require us to face such things as challenges and crisis and heathen culture that the church will finally decide we're going to pray and fast. We're going to pray through the night. We're going to do what it takes. But I'm going to tell you, the bottom line is, when the church really becomes the church, when we respond to the challenge, not high, but face it with the things that are proven, do you know what God is going to do? I believe he wants to show a culture that is against him, an antichrist spirit. He is the God of all gods. He is the Lord of all kings. I believe God wants to make the heathen praise him. God wants to make the enemy say he is is God. How many of you believe with me that if we respond the way we should, there could be such a move of God to reveal his glory, reveal his power, that we literally see our culture shaken by the reality that there is a God. That's what's in my heart. That's what I believe God wants to do. There is a God in heaven who is looking for an opportunity to show how big he is in our generation. The crisis is not going to break us. It's going to present a platform for God to show how great and mighty he is. Anybody believe that with me today? Come on. I I believe that's what God wants to do. And then watch what happens in verse number 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, another promotion, and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Look what happened to those around him. Moreover, at Daniel's request, see, he didn't forget his friends. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained in the king's or the royal court. Do you see a pattern happening? Do you see the challenge of the enemy? Do you see how God's people respond in the right way? And while God says, that's the opportunity I've been looking for. That's the moment I've been wanting to see. It comes to the bottom line. It boils down to this. There is a God. There is a God that is for us and not against us. In just the last few minutes, I want to show you this pattern one more time, and then we're going to pray. Look at chapter 3. Chapter 3. You would think Nebuchadnezzar would have gotten it, but the pride of man is a, is a debilitating issue in a person's life. He heard this great dream interpreted about this huge statue and what it represented. But in a few days, he moved away from honoring God and was back to the pride of man. He said, this is what I'm going to do. And he did it. He built a statue 90 feet tall, nine feet across at the shoulder, solid gold. And guess who it was a statue of? Himself. And he said, I've built this grand statue. And when you hear the musical instruments playing, everybody has to bow down and worship my image. Worship me like I'm a God. Now, he had just proclaimed in chapter 2, your God's the real God. Your God is the Lord of all kings. But I want to tell you something. What did he say? Your God, not my God. 
your God. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had still, had still not come to grips with his own faith in God. And let me tell you a danger. Listen to me close. I want to help us today. You know, you can come into a church service and be in the atmosphere of other people who know their God, worshiping and praising. And for a moment of time, God's real to you. And you know his presence. And in that moment, while we're in the overflow of other people's relationships, we make promises to God. We say this and we say that. But we get out of their presence. And because he's their God and not my God, we quickly go back to the same way. How many are with me right now? There are people who will come and encounter the faith of others and and see the mighty hand of God. But until he becomes your God, you'll walk back out from under that. Nebuchadnezzar misses the whole point, builds this giant image of himself. The pride of man leads to false religion. Worship me, he says. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not do it. They resolved to serve the Lord. It was reported to the king, king, there are three men, these Jews, these exiles, they dishonor you. They won't bow down and worship your image. And Nebuchadnezzar was furious. Here's the challenge. Look with me in chapter 3. And verse number 15. Now when you, Nebuchadnezzar brings him in. He says, now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Watch this because this is always a bottom line. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. The challenge wasn't against those three men, it was against their God. Is your God big enough to save you, he said? What is your God going to do? Nebuchadnezzar threw down the gauntlet to God Almighty. The real issue is always in this situation not people, not humanity, not personalities, it's principalities. What is your God going to do? Church family, this week in praying and reading my Bible, I believe God gave me a word for the church. God showed something to me, gave me something I need to share with you today. How many, I'm trying to say, let's let's say it a nice way in church. I'm trying to think real quick, I want to say. How many got your big boy, big girl shoes on today? I'll ask it like that since we're here. Got your big boy, big girl shoes on right now? How many want the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? Okay, you're going to get it. So here we go. The issue is always God. It's not man. It's not what man does. It's not man's rules and regulations and guidelines. It's about God. And as I was reading through Joshua 5, and I, I see where Joshua, after, after Israel wandering in the desert 40 years, and now standing on the very edge of their promised land, right there finally near Jericho. I believe the church in America is near an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe God wants to do something great, but I believe that our response to God will determine if he does everything that he wants to do. And so Joshua walks up near Jericho. They've never been that close to their promise, their breakthrough, their blessing. And he walks up, and there is a man with a sword standing. And Joshua asked the wrong question, like I believe the church is asking the wrong questions right now. He said, whose side are you on? Are you on our side or our enemy's side? And this heavenly messenger said, I'm on neither. I'm here to represent the God of gods and the King of kings. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We have some believers 
who've allowed politics and issues and areas to begin to weed its way into their life and into the church. And we have people that would used to worship together and never think twice, now kind of looking at each other out of their side, wondering, did you vote for him or did you vote for him? Are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? I'm here to tell you today from the throne of God, God's not on their side. He is on the side of God Almighty. And if we are going to have the move of God we need, we'd better stop picking human sides and let human issues divide us and we'd better once again as a church come together in the name of Jesus and say we're on the Lord's side. We're on God's side. The enemy says what can your God do? And we are saying my God can do anything. There's nothing too hard for my God to do. I'm calling the church to come together. I'm calling the church to let go of human issues that have divided us and let's get real about revival and outpouring in this church and in this nation today. So what do these young men do? Let's wrap it up quickly. They said, boy, it's powerful here. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I love the faith of these guys. Verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. Come on, how many thank God for deliverance? But look at the rest of this. <laughs> o king, verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods. Or worship the image of gold you have set up. Do you hear what they're saying? They said, King, we want you to know that we'd rather die in the furnace than live with compromise in our life. Anybody listening to me right now? They said, I'd rather walk into the furnace. I'd rather put my life on the line than put my head down and compromise and miss the moment that you put me here for this, for this testimony. Church, I want to tell you something. When you're facing a challenge in a Babylonian culture, compromise will kill you. Compromise will undermine everything in your life. The status quo is shut your mouth, go high, don't stand up, don't be a man or a woman of God. I don't want be I don't mean being ugly and crude and rude and demanding, but I'm telling you when it's time to stand, take your stand. I'm telling you when it's time to be a used of God, be used of God. Compromise will kill you when you're facing a challenge. These young men said, Our God can do anything, but we're gonna walk through this fire if that's what He asks us to do. Well, you know what happens? They heat the furnace up seven times hotter. The king is infuriated that they were not afraid of him. And the strong soldiers that threw them in the furnace died from the heat, throwing them in. So what happens when you trust God? Let's drop down to verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing... Wait, wait, verse 25. He said, look... I see four men walking around, come on, come on, in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the God. Do you know what I've discovered in my life? Right up to the moment, <laughs> right up to the moment when it looks like this is the end, I found out God's waiting for me on the other side of that. Don't be afraid to say yes to him. Remember what I told you as we begin the year? I'm going to walk in what I know, in the midst of what I don't know. 
See, I, I'm, I'm going to trust you, God. There, there's the furnace. They're going to throw me in the furnace. I don't know what's going to happen in the furnace, but I'm going to walk in what I know. While I'm in the midst of what I don't know, they did not know what was awaiting them. But you know what we're doing? We're moving to what God already knows. He was already in the furnace. He was already waiting for them there. I can tell you what the devil designed to kill you will turn around and be a blessing in your life. What the enemy decided to destroy you with, God's going to turn it around. Why? Because he is the faithful God. So what happens? The same pattern again. The king pulls them out. You can read the rest of Daniel. I want you to stand with me. I want the worship team to come. Come on, stand. Don't, don't break your attention and don't leave. Let's stand. We're going to make a response. Worship team, come. So what happens again? Here's a crisis. Are you with me? They respond with commitment and prayer and fasting to God. And it just gives God an opportunity. Now the king says, you read the rest of Daniel 3. Now he not only says, your God's the God. He gets carried away. And he said, if anybody anywhere in the world says anything against your God, I'm going to cut them into pieces. He sure liked to cut people up, didn't he? He's always looking to cut somebody up, tear their house down. Here's what I want you to see. Church, grab your faith here. Are you with me? I want your faith to rise up. I want you to get this. Our God's so able. He's just looking for an opportunity. I believe right now he's looking across this room and he's looking online and he's looking for someone. Listen, it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. They may be laughing at your slingshot and your little stone, David. They may be laughing that you can't do what needs to be done. But God's looking for some woman, some man, some young person, some, some, some elderly person who will say, I'm going to trust my God. I'm going to do what I've proven. I'm going to stand firm in this situation. It doesn't matter what everybody else done. By the way, why do we only read about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You know why that's the only people we read about? The history tells us 50,000 exiles were taken into Babylon, but only read about four. You know why we read about four? Because they resolved to serve God. Because they left a legacy. You want to leave a godly legacy? You're going to have to say yes to God, no to Babylon. You want to leave a godly legacy? You're going to have to say, God, I'm going to walk in what I know. While I'm walking right into a furnace because I believe you're on the other side, you know what's going to happen there. What happened again? Great testimony. He's the real God, even from the mouth of the unbeliever. Daniel got another promotion. His friends got another promotion. I'm telling you, compromise will kill you. But commitment will bring God's influence and favor on your life right in the middle of Babylon. Today, I want us to make a response. I believe the church in America has heard the word and heard the word and heard the word and heard the word, but have we put the word in action in our life? Have we allowed God to come in our hearts and say, God, I believe this. Church family, I want us to leave this place today singing his praises. I'll, I'll dismiss you. Don't get excited. But I want you to stand in this moment, and I want you to make a decision and say, God, I resolve to serve you. God, I'm going to pray and fast. God, I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm not going to compromise. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.